Welcome back, y'all. I wanted to talk about something that's such a messed up story. And like, I've known about this for years and I've heard about it for so long. But this is one of those things that most people don't know. And if they do know, they kind of slough it under the rug because it is so disturbing and so messed up on a variety of levels. So I, I'm actually going to put a trigger for this. And if you've noticed, I sometimes I think that if you guys are listening, y'all, I think you guys can handle it. But this is something that, like, I really think there needs to be a trigger on. Because it's fucked up. Really fucked up. So, I I, I even hate that I'm having to put a trigger on this. But the trigger that I'm, I'm going to give you is for incest. And you're like, whoa! Whoa, that went from zero to a thousand, like, super quick. So, if you're new here, this is Murder, Mystery, and History... My name's Christy. So yeah, if you know about Barbara Dolly Bakeland, you know exactly why I gave that trigger. If not, let's get into it. So Barbara was born in 1922 in Boston, Massachusetts to Nini and Frank. And her mother had a nervous breakdown prior before giving birth to her daughter. And it, when we say nervous breakdown in the 1920s, 1930s, that could have been anything. That literally could have been anything. So, unfortunately, we don't know what her mother suffered from. But we do know her mother had emotional instability and erratic behavior, which allegedly Barbara would suffer from. Now, Barbara was, we're going to flash forward to about 10 years old. Barbara's father would commit suicide in 1932. Now, he would make his death look accidental by locking himself in his garage with the family vehicle. They were a little well off. That's why they had a vehicle, let's be honest. And he would shut the garage door and he would breathe in the exhaust. He would die by carbon monoxide poisoning. And the reason that he did that is in that time frame that was still considered accidental. And he wanted to make sure that Barbara and her mother could collect life insurance. So... Instead of living in Boston, Massachusetts, after collecting the insurance money, her mother and Barbara, Barbara and her mother, pardon that, pardon that sentence, I don't know where that came from, uh, Barbara and her mother would move to New York City and take residence up in a hotel, which was the fashionable thing to do at the time, honestly. And... It's, it's noted that Barbara would suffer through a number of severe mental health issues. And again, because this is the 30s, we don't really know what she suffered from. We could try and clinically diagnose it today, but in that time period, you just don't know because a lot of mental health issues were not recognized, much less were they treated, unfortunately. Um, so what we do know about Barbara is she grew up to be this glamorous young woman and she was actually noted as one of New York's top 11 beauties. She had this wonderful social status and she was always getting these invitations to high society parties and she would date various wealthy admirers, but she would end up a private patient of a psychiatrist named Foster Kennedy. And she would also try to get into Hollywood and she would get to do these screen tests and she got to do a screen test with an actor by the name of Dana Ad Andrews but it didn't really lead to anything but it did lead to a friendship 
was an actress named Cornelia Bakeland. And she would introduce Barbara to her younger brother, Brooks. Brooks, pardon me, not Brooks, Brooks. And he was a trainee pilot with the Royal Canadian Air Force. So, here's the thing. While she may not have been able to get into the movies, she was a successful model. And she would continue to model before and after losing out on becoming a movie star. So... When she met Brooks, which was her friend's brother, they would—they were an, a beautiful pair. People would say how attractive they were together and what a wonderful-looking couple they were. And they would lead these, lead this this flamboyant lifestyle. And their friendship was a huge thing. People would just question, "When is she marrying him? When is she marrying him?" So here's the thing. So, Barbara would tell Brooks Bakeland that she was pregnant. She wasn't pregnant. She wanted to get married. So, she and Brooks would quietly and quickly marry in California. And at the time when they got married, Barbara would list her profession as a painter, while Brooks would list his as a writer. Now, the thing was, she wasn't pregnant, but the fact of the matter that she told him and he believed her can let you know how their relationship was so they their early married life was pretty perfect or at least it looked to be pretty perfect they would have these rich and famous friends who would entertain them they would they would go to these exotic places while well, they were exotic in that time frame like paris then they would go to manhattan and like they would go to these crazy parties all over the world there'd be alcohol flowing, experimenting with sex, and there were often these wonderful celebrities like Greta Garbo, she was a famous, she still is very famous as a movie star. Tennessee Williams, he wrote a beautiful poem, it's or not poem, play that is still very prevalent today. But eventually, Barbara gave birth to a son, Anthony. In 1946, on August 28th. So, the thing is, Barbara's relationship with Anthony was very close. And you need to know that from the onset here. You also need to know that Barbara and Brooks, Brooks would continue to enjoy this extravagant lifestyle and they would each have extramarital affairs, but slowly, they both became resentful of each other and it, it affected their marriage. Now, her mental, health her mental health issues were so heavy at play that her husband grew tired of it. She would have these offensive outbursts, repeated suicide attempts. She, she was still getting treated by her psychiatrist, but her emotional issues just kept getting worse. They kept getting worse because she kept drinking, she kept abusing drugs, she had multiple affairs, she had various insecurities, and just the relationship with her husband was not great. So when she gave birth to Anthony in 1946, this kind of eased the, eased the tension in the room for the couple. Now, her son was apparently 
this wonderful, smart, intelligent, and stunning kid. He had these dreams. Well, his parents had the dreams and thought he would become this, this wonderful painter, a polo player, a writer, anything, everything was Anthony's purpose, according to his parents. So they doted on this child and he was the only child they were going to ever have. But the thing is, sometimes with mental health issues, they trickle. If the grandmother suffers, so will the grandson. Well, Anthony demonstrated a lot of promise and a lot of determination and that special something. He would suffer from schizophrenia and he would actually show paranoid tendencies. So it wasn't like this was isolated. This was very much out there. He would start to require psychiatric care just like his mother. From around the time that Anthony was nine in 1954, around there, nine, eight or nine, um, his parents and him would basically live this lifestyle where they would just traipse around Europe. They would rent houses in Paris, Italy, Lond London, all these wonderful places in Europe. And they would continue to live very extravagantly. His parents would have affairs with other people. but. In 1960, the family's main main place was this apartment in Paris. And there was one party where Barbara's husband, Brooks, met an English diplomat's daughter who was 15 years younger than him. So it, it was just not a good thing at this time. Well, she might have been 15 years younger than him. It, it's still like, ugh. Brooks would request a divorce and Barbara would try to commit suicide once again. And at this time, Brooks would terminate the affair. Like he had had it. He can't keep doing this is basically what we're saying here. So it's 1967 and the family's based in Switzerland and Spain. And so the thing here is Anthony's around 20. And he meets Jake Cooper, this Australian man who happens to be bisexual, which there's nothing wrong if you're bi. Like, Anthony and Cooper would begin to have an affair at this time. Although, if you asked Jake Cooper, he would say no. That never happened. He would deny the whole thing. But Jake Cooper would introduce Anthony to hallucinogenic drugs, and they would actually go to Morocco to get them together. So... When his mom was informed of this, she would go to Spain to bring her son back to Switzerland. Now, Anthony didn't have his passport, and Anthony and Barbara were arrested and they were put into jail. So, when they get back to Spain, when, pardon me, so at this point eventually they both get out of jail. and. They go back to Spain. Well, Anthony goes back to Spain. Barbara would eventually accept the extent of her son's relationship with Cooper, but preferred that he had a relationship. He started a relationship with a young French girl named Sylvie. And this is really, really weird right here what happens. So 
Barbara would prefer that her son was with a woman. And so she's like supportive of the relationship that he had with this young French girl named Sylvie. But Sylvie would start an affair with Barbara's husband, Brooks. Yeah, you heard that right. So the girl that was dating her son started to have an affair with her husband. Yeah, it's messed up. So Barbara discovers this affair in February of 1968. And again, Barbara tries to commit suicide. And Brooks has decided he's he can't do this anymore. The psychiatrist isn't helping. She's not getting any better. And he, he just, he can't do it anymore. He just can't. So he's had enough and he got a divorce. And this divorce led to severe depression and another suicide attempt. And honestly, another one of her friends had saved Barbara from killing herself. So she, so let's put, let's talk about Barbara for a second. She's got severe depression issues. She's got severe mental health issues. And it's it's getting worse as she gets older. It's getting worse with her drug and alcohol abuse. And it's just, it's heartbreaking that she's suffering so much. So the thing is, Brooks would marry Sylvie. This woman that had started dating his son, he had an affair with her and then divorced his wife. And ironically, Sylvie and Brooks would have a child together and they would divorce and he would later marry someone else. Now, in 1969, Barbara would meet this pop art curator. His name was Samuel Adams Green, and she would start an affair with him. And when he, when she later introduced her son, Anthony, Green was really very unimpressed. Barbara was saying how great his artwork was, how great his paint was. And Green was really unimpressed with her son's paint, painting work. He's really un unimpressed with his artistic skills on, on, as a whole, as a whole. So it's about six weeks later and Green breaks off this relationship with Barbara. And Barbara's obsessed. Barbara can't let him go. She stalked him relentlessly. When she returned to the States in the fall, she would walk barefoot across Central Park in the snow wearing nothing but a fur coat and demand entry into his apartment. So that's, that's messed up on a whole right there. And that should, don't worry y'all, it gets so much worse. So her relationship with her son, Anthony is, is hard to describe. There is a codependency issue within that relationship that turned really, ugh, it's so gross. So the relationship she had with her son, Anthony, he was either gay or bisexual. In my opinion, he was just trying to be himself. If you're gay, you're bisexual, you're fine. If you're any part of the LGBTQT plus community, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. Please know that and please love yourself. So Barbara was upset that her son was not straight. She was very upset. And she would 
hire prostitutes and invite her socialite friends to sleep with her son to try and fix him, to try and ensure that he wasn't gay, to gratify any sexual urges he might have. And you're thinking, that's pretty, just leave the boy alone. Just, just stop. Just don't do any, just leave him alone. So this would fail. Hiring the prostitutes, encouraging her friends to sleep with him. And after the divorce from her husband, she would actually live with Brooks. So this time she's living with Brooks and she's trying to get, she's hiring these prostitutes, bringing them to the house to sleep with her son. She's inviting her friends over to sleep with her son to try and cure him of being gay. Like, ew. So this would fail, obviously. You don't, you can't, you, this would fail. And the pair was living in a place called Major Majorica in the summer of 1968. So following Barbara's divorce, there's this rumor that she raped her son. And the thing is, it by by raping her son it's she was trying to fix him in her mind and she thought that if he had sex with her this could help him not be gay or bisexual so whether or not this was a one-time thing or a repeated thing oh this is so gross people have said this is an alleged thing but it it's i I would say this happened more than once based on how Anthony reacted later on in life. During young adulthood, Anthony displayed some pretty, pretty erratic behavior that would cause concern. So he would display these signs of, he would have paranoid schizophrenic episodes or tendencies and he would show pretty erratic behavior. And while he was eventually diagnosed with schizophrenia, his father would refuse to allow him to be treated by psychiatrists. Brooks Baiklin considered the profession to be immoral, meaning it shouldn't be, meaning it's, it's not a moral profession, meaning it was a wrong kind of profession which is bizarre to me. Like your child has been diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and you don't want to help him. Like, come on now. But the thing is, there was a lot wrong with Anthony. And while his father didn't want to admit it, it would, it, it, it would just ripple out. So it's 1972 in July. Anthony tries to throw his mother under the traffic outside her penthouse in London. She was saved only by the fact that her son wasn't strong enough and by the intervention of her friend named Susan Guinness, who was probably related to the Guinness Beer Company. So while he was arrested for attempted murder, 
Barbara would refuse to press charges because it was her son. He could change. She could fix him. She can't give up on him. Anthony, who would actually be admitted to a private psychiatric hospital, and he was released soon afterwards, but the thing is, Anthony would take sessions with a psychiatrist. So he's taking these sessions with the psychiatrist while he's living at the home with his mother. And the psychiatrist became so concerned with Anthony that he warned Barbara and he said to her, he's capable of murder. I do not think that he should be freely walking around. Like he is going to kill somebody. He is a danger to himself and other people. Now, if a psychiatrist says to you, he is capable of murder, he will murder you, he should not be free, he needs to go somewhere where he can be helped, I would assume that most people would say, can we get him committed somewhere, etc. But the thing is, Barbara would dismiss what the doctor said. She basically said, ah, well, I'm his mother, it's fine. So, the thing is, we have this allegation of rape. Whether she groomed him to be a sexual partner or not, it's disgusting. You had sex with your son. That's disgusting. But what would that do to the child's mental health? At what point would you be concerned? Like this whole relationship she had with Anthony was codependent and disgusting. Absolutely. So let's talk about what happened two weeks later after Barbara was warned by the psychiatrist. So it's November 17th, 1972. Anthony would murder his mother by stabbing her with a kitchen knife killing her almost instantly. She died at 51 years of age and Anthony was 25. So he stabs his mother with this large kitchen knife, killing her almost instantly, which depending how hard you went with a knife and where you went, that's, that's pretty, I, can't even imagine the force you'd have to swing that knife. I, stabbing is not an instant death. You bleed out more. But, yeah, so he, he, he killed his mother with this kitchen knife. Now, when police would arrive at the scene, they would find him there, just waiting, just hanging out. And he would confess to, and he was charged with Barbara's murder. So, he was actually institutionalized at a mental health hospital. Probably the best place he could have been until July 21st, 1980. So he was only there for around eight years. So a bunch of Anthony's friends would gather at the hospital and petition until he was released. Until he was released. Anthony's now 33. He flies directly to New York City to stay with his 87-year-old grandmother, Barbara's mother, Nini, Dolly. 
It's only six days after he's released. On July 27th, he would attack his grandmother with, with a kitchen knife, stabbing her eight times and breaking several of her bones. So he's arrested by the NYPD and he's charged with attempted murder and he's sent to Rikers Island, which I know nothing about Rikers Island, but it sounds like I, I've only heard like a few things on TV shows and apparently it's like a pretty bad place to be. I don't know. Someone, someone educate me. So he was assessed by the psychiatric team at Rikers and after about eight months, he, he was expected to be released on bail. And there was going to be this court hearing on March 20th, 1981. But <sighs> there was a delay in the transfer of his medical records from the United Kingdom. And the case was adjourned by the judge. So Anthony would be returned to his cell at 3.30 p.m. on March 20th, 1981. Half an hour later, he's found dead by suicide, suffocated on a plastic bag. And this, the whole thing is just bizarre. So we have a family history of mental illness and it just ripples out. And it, it's such a weird story. It's a hard story. And just so messed up. So there's actually a movie based on the life of Barbara and Anthony Baiklin, beginning with Anthony's birth and to the time of the murder of his mother. And the thing is, Barbara's former lover, Samuel Adams Green, wrote an article pointing out elements in this film that were potentially mis misleading. There was a sex scene which showed Barbara, Anthony, and Sam Green in bed together. And that Green would write, quote, It is true that almost 40 years ago, I did have an affair with Barbara, but I certainly never slept with her son, nor am I bisexual. She started telling people she had an incestuous relationship with her son as a way of curing him of homosexuality. But I don't believe she had sex with Anthony. I think she simply enjoyed shocking people. And he would go on this legal action against the filmmakers, which would which was unresolved at the time of his death. But so here we have a former lover of Barbara's saying she would tell people she was curing him of him, curing her son of homosexuality by sleeping with him, which is where I don't understand why people would, would say that she, it was a rumor or it was alleged. I can't tell you, who in their normal mind would like go around bragging about having an incestuous relationship with her kid. That's so messed up. But we have a history of mental illness that in the end killed everybody, literally. And that is the story of Barbara and her son, Anthony. One of the most messed up stories that you'll ever hear. So the best praise I can ever get is if you share this podcast with your friends. That is literally the best phrase I can ever get. So if you like the podcast, share it with a friend. And you're probably asking yourself, who would I share this with? Where can they listen to? Well, you can follow me on Spotify, Anchor, 
Google Podcasts, Overcast, CastBox, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. So if there's a mystery you want me to talk about, or if there's some weird, messed up historical story, much like the one that we discussed today, you can email me at murdermysteryandhistory at gmail.com. Or you can tweet me at murdermysteryandhistory, same profile picture as the podcast. Or you can follow us on Facebook, Murder Mystery and History, and it's the same picture as the podcast. So if there's a murder you want me to talk about, get into a little detail with that. If there's some weird, messed up historical case, let's talk about it. If there's a mystery that you want someone to just talk about and you don't think enough people know about it, I'm down. If there's a paranormal mystery or something about aliens, let's talk about it. Let's do it. So, what are you waiting for? Until we meet again. <laughs>